Hello, everybody. Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. Uh, I'm come out to meet with someone that's a little, I might say, left field from my usual guest here on the show. Um, I first came into, I would say, he came into my lexicon via the medium of television. Uh, it was the 31st, I think, of December 2003, where he was on, I uh, would say, in the ring. Uh, for a Japanese mixed martial arts event for New mm. Year's Eve. Yeah. So, Josh, firstly, pleasure to meet, have you on the show. Thank you so much for making the time. Also, a huge thank you to John P. for doing the introduction here and this very long roundabout process of getting you here on the show. It's been a while. Uh, we've been planning this since uh, you know your old days at the Peterson. I know. At the, the, or as I like to say, the museum that shall not be named. Ah, but that's uh, totally fine. You can right. uh, you could talk about them as much. There, there, they, uh, uh, there's a car museum of, of renown uh, of which we uh, of, which were is, supposed to meet together. Uh, yeah, but things didn't work out, and so it did not. But it is a wonderful museum. It is full of wonderful people. I, I don't know any of them, but I'll they take are your wonderful. Word for it. Which, yes. yeah. the fact that they let me downstairs uh, to go look at their their um, their storage collection was. Uh, you know, I'm still very grateful for that. Yeah, the uh, the vault down there is pretty impressive, um, and it was a pleasure that I was able to walk you around there. And even you, I would say, I told you a few things, and you told me many more things. You know, maybe, maybe you know. Every now and again, uh, there is a very small niche window at which I could uh, relay some some information to someone. Although, uh, you know, when you talk to to people that are real car nuts, <clears throat> often we we're a bit specialized, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean. And some people will will have some understanding outside of their wheelhouse. Like I'm, I'm a muscle car guy for the most part. That's what I dig. But I, I actually, you know, we were talking about Japanese imports, and and you know, my I'm like, oh, you mean like R32s or 33s? And I I do like import cars. I'm a big fan of like, uh, you know, an example would be uh, I like those early '80s Toyota vans. Uh, what are those Starias or? Uh, I forget the name of them, but uh, you can find them in a four-wheel drive version. Uh huh. And I think those things are just so damn cool. The the Toyota minivans from mm -hmm. like '84, '85. I uh, mean, I think they need to bring them back purely for the fact they had a refrigerator in the between the um, front seats. That yes, would, they that did. That would make ice. Yes, and they had uh, the engine was what center mounted. I think it was. Yeah. And you could get it with a, a little four-speed. I think you could get them with a turbo. Uh, but the some of the the options on the four by four versions with like uh, moon roofs and stuff so rad. And, and not only that, they had the uh, the wonderful Japanese English as well, generally on the back and stickers all on the over side. It, yes, yeah. and stickers and logos and all kinds of nomenclature X nine seven five, all that kind of stuff. Type S. Uh, Mitsubishi made a van as well that the, was the, the Delica. Uh, I think De it is uh, the Delica. I think that's the is that the Toyota or the Mitsubishi? I can't remember. One of the they all yeah. someone will shout at me. Off, right, right. They're very, very, very close. Um, and their design, at least from the outside, and uh, I, I think stuff like that is super cool. I also like the early Toyota Celica Supra P types, mm -hmm. like an '85, like the the, the Inspector Gadget car. Yeah, uh, little boxy things with a with a four cylinder. I think that's, you know, it could be a real ripper, but um, uh, I am a muscle car guy pretty much through and through. So how did you come into then fall into the world of muscle cars? Uh, my dad, he was big into muscle cars, always growing up, always drove hot rods. Um, and then as I was getting a little bit older, um, him and my mom inherited this project car from a friend of my mother's who had said to him, who she had said to this guy at some point, he goes, Hey, I know you got, I love this 66 fastback. If you ever decided to get rid of it, uh, let me know. And he was in the process of tearing the whole thing down to try and restore it. Mm -hmm. And it just became too much of a, of a project for him. So he called my mom up and sure enough, we ended up the, the owners of it. And over like a 10 year span, we, as a family restored the whole thing. And, that got my dad's juices flowing again, and then you know it was he's like, all right, well I want to take it down the tr I want to take it down a track. I want to mm -hmm. start drag racing again. And then my mom was like, look, we have a show car. I, the motor mount broke on one run and dented this original hood and ruined this beautiful paint job underneath it. So that's enough of that. 
So I think your mum was the voice of reason on this. Well, she was, and then we migrated into uh, a 64 uh, Falcon Sprint Mm -hmm. with a 302, ran low 12s, and that thing was as dependable as you could get. All you ever had to do was change oil, check valve, or uh, uh, check the rockers, and you're good. You and know. now, was it always the drag racing that you guys were focused on then? Yes. Yeah, so my dad was always big into drag racing, and it was only through my my uncle, who was really into road racing, and so you could see them as being very. They weren't always diametrically opposed to each other, but mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, if one one was like, well, you know, let's uh, you should you should take this this this. Uh, 460 and try to get it out to 514 cubes or something and what have you and, and the other side is like uh no nah, you should have a four cylinder and you should do this and you should do this and a suspension while well, you should have an overhead cam this or that it's, it was all completely different and what they were into and what they would like you know one's talking jags the other one's uh you know talking mustangs or or uh you know falcons you know, my dad was mostly a, a pretty much a, a Ford guy, mm-hmm. um, and actually, my my uncle Steve was a Porsche guy. Okay, um, which to me, you know, both great brands to to be into. Yeah, not bad ones to follow. But it was my my uh, my uncle Steve that got me kind of into the idea of road racing, and I loved going to uh, these. Uh, what, would you, what would you call them? Uh, not they're not just classic, but the, there's a, a group called Sovereign out of uh in washington that does Mm -hmm. vintage road racing so watching stuff like lolas and falcons and camaros and you know stuff with all the old motors wedged in there 427 chevys 427 fords and listening to that stuff going around the track and also watching the fact that if you have a bad lap well that was still like a minute 30 or minute 50 let's say around the track well you could you get another lap of a minute whatever and yeah. another lap of a minute whatever and another lap versus you have a bad light you you know whatever you have a miss you have bad shift oh your drag race run is done 12 seconds 11 seconds and okay that's it now you go get to wait in line some more yeah and so i like the idea of being on the track and being able to continue and constantly make adjustments and and get incrementally better uh, as you're out there it's more fun that way of course you burn more gas, you burn more brakes, and you burn more tires. So. Yeah, I mean, there's all variables, right, that you've got to take into account. Oh. But then I think, yeah, I mean, I will say that I, in the few times that I have been drag racing and taking cars on the track, um, while it is ideal, the worst part is waiting in that line and then someone blows something in the engine and they have to clean the track. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is like, oh, I need like that person. Yeah, it's true, and it would you really suck to, to be wanna, that person. Yeah, you too. never want to be that guy or that lady that does that. And like breaks, and it's like ah, oh, and puts it all the way down the track, yeah, or just, uh, the uh, fluids all the way down there. Just spread all out, just like just laid out there, and like a fine wine all over the place. Yeah, that nobody is is going to be able to go and hit the track for at least fifteen minutes. Yeah, you don't want to be that person, and now you have a broken car. <laughs> but yeah, but the other flip side of that here, especially in Los Angeles, is with Irwindale doing their Thursday night drag race that they do. I mean, it's very inexpensive to just go and give it a try as well. Well, I think was even if you take you to your regular car, not a twelve second. Sure, other... and that's totally fine. I mean, your car doesn't have to be particularly fast for you to learn the ins and outs of drag racing mm-hmm. at all. And that's, I think, in some way, that was a bit of the the difference in. It was like a bit of a class difference, I think, between my dad and, and my uncle. Uh, they came from some very different uh, backgrounds. And uh, my dad was, you know, um, how do I describe him? Uh, a bit of a ne'er-do-well, fighting, drinking, drag racing, and, and raising hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, he used to, he had a 56 Vicky he used to, to run around in the streets in. And then he had a 63 and a half uh, R-Code Galaxy. And... He used to hit the strips all the time, race people for money on the streets, you name it. And, you know, in, in 19, uh, what, mid-60s, having a 63 and a half Galaxy is a pretty badass car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this, the, also the idea of being able to just have that, the guy that goes out and runs on the streets and does the betting and things like that and probably is, wants to steer clear of the law of sorts in these type of situations. Uh, yeah, usually you'd yeah. think, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, he, my dad enjoyed the whole process. And, and the thing is, <clears throat> it was a lot, it's a lot cheaper to get into drag racing than it is into mm-hmm. road racing. And not that, 
And road racing doesn't have to be uh, incredibly prohibitive. I mean, you could if you you could get yourself together a nice little just a track day car. Yeah, and even start with the gym carners or in the mm-hmm. parking lot. Racing yes. and giving uh, that a go. Yeah, all the uh, um, autocross stuff. Yeah, the, where you don't get above like 35 and it's just like trying to get in and out of parking bays and whatnot. Yeah, NMCA events are run out at uh, AAA Auto Speedway by the Racing Birds all the time. And I've yeah. had the, the fortunate luck to be able to go out there and actually borrow a couple cars and go do some laps. And I did the um, Optima Ultimate Streetcar Invitational and autocross was part of that. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's really keeps you honest in in your car control uh and being able to to work uh tight tight turns like that is 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 a well it's an art like anything else yeah and also the speaking of the optima invitation that's also an interesting event because they do the the autocross the drag racing mm-hmm. the start do, stop yes the braking test of the mm-hmm. start stop and then they also do the isn't like a 50 mile like there, road yeah, rally there, there sort is of like a, a rally element portion and so, and then there's a judged portion as far as the Looks design the of your car too. Yeah. But yeah, there's a there's a rally uh, where you have to drive, you know, like like you said, like around 50 miles, and obviously you have to your car has to make it. Yeah, the 50 miles, which was some of the cars as well in particular, because the only ones I've seen at most is around the SEMA car show mm-hmm. in Las Vegas when they do that. And sometimes some of those cars are not quite finished as they should be. It's SEMA. Yeah, you know, uh, SEMA is the only place where. Uh, coming into my first team, I had two cars that were going to be down there in two different booths, and uh, they were. One of them was my daily driver, and I remember I'm at my buddy's shop. I had to put one was already up on the lift. I had to put another one up on the lift for something else, and then it turns out I wasn't going to be able to get it done uh, for a couple of days. So I just remember turning around, looking back at both the bays, and going, "I had two perfectly work good working cars." When I started this morning, and now I have zero, I must be a massive idiot. <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. So, and and so, how many cars have you had displayed at Seymour over the years? Uh, just two. Okay. Just two. Uh, one twice, and then uh, uh, one year I had my just my daily driver, my Challenger out there mm-hmm. on some slammed i i box suspension setups and custom hood and it was it wasn't like a, a super fancy vehicle but you know it, it took up some space out there and decent looking rides and slick little toyo tires on it did you have to drive it in and drive it out yes or, okay and how yeah. was that process eh, it, was, it was fine it wasn't too actually i had uh, my buddy stan at toyo he drove it down okay and he's giving me the rundown i was like man this thing is really low <laughs> i'm like well it is what it is man it's it's show car crap right now so uh, he drove it in. I drove it home, uh, and then the year I did Optima, I drove in and drove out in my my GT500. It was, and that was part of the design of that car. And way the way I wanted that built was everything was bolt on. Mm-hmm. Nothing was custom that, that you would need a fabricator to do. Okay, everything that came on it from the Tiger Cage from. Uh, uh, Ride Tech, uh, suspension from KW, uh, Whipple Supercharger, the BMR suspensions. Like, everything was just a bolt-on. That's all it was. It was mm-hmm. a bolt-on. So if you had patience and time, you could do it yourself. You could put your own headers on. You could put the BMR K-member underneath there. Like These, these are things you can do. Um, and then still go out there and run fast and have fun and have a car that can, you know, compete. I, I know, and somebody in an a better driver's hands, I'm sure I would have placed higher than 18th, but uh, in fact, I know I would have. Uh, and maybe, maybe it could have placed somewhere towards the top 10. You know, I mean, a Shelby is a pretty fast car, although it is a bit on the heavy side. And uh, as you start getting towards the top, the top 10 of, of those Optima cars, uh, obviously they have different classes now, but even back then, they were really tricked out vehicles yeah i mean i think that's like some of them were like 900 horsepower just, easily just, just there was standard a, is like a i think that year there was a and then i thought they had gtr like, that was like 1100 horse yeah i thought it was like two, only two classes were like one for class of cars under two and a half thousand pounds and then one for cars over two and a half thousand pounds or something like that that year uh when i did it was 2010 yeah I believe maybe something like that. Everything was lumped all together. Okay, so it was all together, <laughs> and so like uh, uh, a Mitsubishi Evo that was super tricked out and a GTR 
that was like 1100 horsepower all were like in the top five i'm like well you are all-wheel drive <laughs> you know and the number one was a i think it was um it wasn't mark stilo uh uh i can't recall might have been that guy's car bad penny well, maybe it was stilo anyways it was a 69 camaro that mm -hmm. was all completely tricked out yeah like massive tires on it and probably you know it had the detroit speed stuff and real kick-ass ls in it and you know, just it hauled fancy. ass, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's not like a '69 you'll find anywhere else, you know. Yeah. One uh, of one, but still, as as good as some of these companies like like Detroit Speed and all them are, have come around with with really innovating modern tech to be adapted to these classic cars. Mm -hmm. These, you know, an all-wheel drive GTR, it's hard to compete with that. It just is. Yeah, I mean. Like technology is, it's it seems to be rapidly advancing now in regards to the realms of of motorsport in particular. I mean, I think we're seeing that, especially with the the hypercar exotics, with this the electric race. To I guess it's, mm. it used to be, for example, I remember back in my day when a supercar had come out and be like five hundred horsepower, yeah. like wow, it's fast. Anything over four hundred was like wow, it's impressive. And now it's like oh, it's a thousand horsepower supercar. Yeah. <laughs> and then now it's it seems to be oh, it's a 1800 horsepower electric cars like car isn't it not 2000 horsepower yet when's it happening i mean what well, with the the new systems that they use to control these uh not only the engines and timing and the the injection and all that but they're also using uh computers to control the suspension Everything. and the drivetrain they mitigate what makes it so difficult to drive a car with that kind of power and allow you to it's like the difference between you know, just stomping on the on the throttle and the micro switch goes and uh, 450 shot of nitrous hits, hits your motor versus mm -hmm. you know, all the, setting it in stages. And you got an RPM switch and you got a, a switch on the on the on your shifter. You've got a micro switch that's like a part like hits a small solenoid to begin with and being able to meter out. But at the end of the day, you know, at, when you start hitting down the, the your the meat of the track, you're still shooting 500 you know, a 500 shot into your motor. It's just how you got there. It's yeah. the same with like these crazy, like that Bugatti Viron, 1600 horsepower quad turbo. It's insane. I'm sure if you want to drive it recklessly, it won't really be a problem for you to accomplish that. But, you know, look at that in comparison to say, although much, a much less expensive car, but a supercar nonetheless, like that GT40 that they came out with or the Ford GT mm -hmm. the what was in the 2004 5 3 that you know a 600 horsepower rear wheel drive mid-engine car which can really haul ass mm -hmm. but can also really turn itself around Real up, quick. upside down and Real quick. you know split you across the pole yeah whereas the the Viron's like we don't want you to do that yeah we'll stop <laughs> Yeah, I I also heard a story um, from one of our previous guests that was on who had a Veyron, mm -hmm. and he got a call from Bugatti and asked if he enjoyed his trip that weekend and if he enjoyed taking it above the speed limit because they could tell from the tele telemetry data comes through the computer that he'd been taking it uh, or he'd been out racing it <laughs> because of course they have to come out and service it. Yeah, so they need to know this. They need to have. So like, is is Bugatti? Do they do they wag fingers at people for? No, taking? they they, they said <laughs> it was really fun. It's like uh, I'm glad to. It's basically like I'm glad to see you're enjoying it. Yeah, and so I was like, that's the kind of company you want to be with. I was like, if I'm dropping millions of dollars in a car, I want yeah. someone's like, yeah, good to use I, it. I think people also forget the fact that Bugatti is a an incredibly old brand, mm -hmm. and they've been building high end sports cars or the closest thing to them as much as they can for what probably a hundred years. Yeah, getting onto it now. Yeah. But then not only that, they're the family of artisans as well. Because mm. there's the furniture maker. I didn't know that. The sculptor. Hmm. And the artists themselves, so the painters and whatnot. Fantastic. Well, See? I won't be buying any Veyrons anytime soon. <laughs> uh, but I can appreciate the way they look. Although I look at the supercars like that and I just go... Super rad, would hate to drive it on the street, <laughs> you know? Well, I think it's like taking it anywhere. I mean, it's like, well, how would you how would you cope with that? I mean, you wouldn't want anyone to touch it. You wouldn't mm -hmm. want anyone to valet it. Uh, the curbs, now nah, that's that's your worst enemy. Yeah. Driveways, the speed bumps. 
just the unevenness of the of the of the streets at times. And you think like anything scrape. Oh, that was my front splitter. That's probably five grand. It's only sixteen thousand yeah, dollars. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But on a track, it would feel like the the greatest amusement park ride ever. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's also, uh, I mean, I think you could find a get as much enjoyment out of a supercar as you would have something a little bit cheaper as long as you're the one that's being able to do the driving i don't think it really i think that there's a point where there's how good it can be is from where you're taking it and driving into how fast you want it to go i think there's a different points there i think that's really uh, a really important point actually and that <clears throat> a veyron is way above my capabilities mm-hmm. doesn't matter how fast i might be able to drive it i know it could probably go a thousand times faster than that in the hands of someone competent. Yeah. Right. Uh, So like Patrick Long or something like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny when, when you go in like having the chance to sit with racing car drivers Mm -hmm. and be like their passengers, they go around and then they tell you things that you've got absolutely no idea. This is like gone. I mean, I've been at the thermal club where an ex Le Mans driver was uh, taking me around in a Lotus Evora, and he was like, oh, the tires are going at the back here. I don't know if we're going to be able to do a third lap. And I was like, I couldn't tell. No. <laughs> I could not tell at all. They're just like, it's like, yeah, it's like these tires are real bad. But it's the things you learn. And then other ones, when I've been in with on the, uh, the rallycross cars, um, incredible how the, the talk of the driver was like, the team was like, do you want to do the telemetry on this and find out the race? like, no, because the weight of the car is going to be up because I've got this guy next to me. He's going to put the whole counterbalance of the car out, so we're going to be right drawing a different line. Mm-hmm. So the time's going to be like 0.4 seconds off a lap, so there's no point doing the timing. It's like, and when you're getting it down to that fine, I'm like, it's, it's incredibly oh, impressive. They're, they're experts at what they do, which is why they're as good as they're good at. And yeah. uh, I, too, always find it to be mesmerizing. You know, I jumped in a, was it, it as a, this was at Long Beach, and it was Patrick Long was giving ride alongs in this stock gt3 rs i jump in and i don't know what they're used to i just figure most people uh giving ride-alongs i've seen it with formula formula drift a lot you just people jump in and they're just woo, and they're instagramming it and they're or they're scared and they're just yelling and they think it's great and blah i get in the cars and i just go go as fast as you can possibly go drive this thing like yeah. you really mean it i just want to watch i was i always say i said look drive it like it's going to be a 10 out of 10 i know in my mind it's only going to be like a 7 out of 10 but in my heart, I'm going to feel like it's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. I'm like, yeah. that's all it. And then I said, do you want to drive? I was like, no, no, you just go the extra laps. I just want to see you do the magic and everything. And that's what, I mean, that's what I'm there and, for. And uh, yeah, so I just jumped in there. I, I just turned to the guy. I go, look, just, you can't scare me. It won't matter. Hit your lines like you mean it. And I'm just, I just, I'm going to be really curious to, to pay attention to what, what angles you, of entry you take and what your apex is and all this. And and see how your braking is and your shift points. I, I just want to know. And boom, that guy just hauled ass, man. Yeah. He went ripping around that thing, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, the only problem is you get out of the car, and you're just like, man, I just want to get behind the car now. I just want to get better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that. And so so speaking of that, then, so do you often do any more of the track days then, or how is that coming along for you Often? Now? No. I just hardly ever have any time. Because um, it's not like you have other things on the go, right? No, definitely not. It's, yeah. Usually I just like to, I'm a big thumb twiddler. And, okay. And, you know, the, if clockwise, counterclockwise, it's a lot to think about. And uh, in between my, my usual uh, schedule of people punching me in the face mm-hmm. and me punching them, and all of that and travel but uh, going to the track is still just an awesome experience every time I get to go and the thing is seat time makes the biggest difference you know yeah. you can have that 1600 horsepower Veyron but if you had that Celica Supra P-Type we talked about earlier yeah and you had one that was just eh, it had a fairly fresh motor in it some decent tires and a good clutch and good suspension that's it and you hit that track as much as you can you will have a blast now yeah. you know you're probably only going to be going around um let's say streets of willow at max 65 70 miles an hour but it's going to be a it's going to be so much fun and you Every time you get just a little bit better, you apex just a little bit better, you get more, you're able to keep the wheel straighter longer, and you'll, it'll always pay off. And, and the better driver you become, 
in that car even the better it will it will translate further down the line yeah and of course i mean speaking of that car obviously sub 200 horsepower car mm-hmm. um but then it's also it's much easier on mm-hmm. brakes yes. tires yes. the wear and everything so there's nothing wrong with going out with it uses a, a whole lot less gas i yeah. mean i take if i take my gt500 out to uh i took it to big willow last time i went out and uh i think that was the last time no maybe the second to last that was the last time i went out and uh it um just drank the tank dry quick yeah and then you've got to buy uh fuel at the racetrack yep. and they've got the racetrack markup yep. and then it's like oh it's terrible uh tires are still good um good on tires <laughs> brakes are still good uh well you just talk to stan right and you can that's true i tire. stan will always hook me up yeah. uh but, uh, shout out to Stan, like Stan. Big time. And shout out to Toyo Tires, man. They make killer treads. And I've never had a single problem using Toyos on any car. I have actually... Um, I will say that the R888Rs, wonderful tires, especially on a Fiat 500E. Oh. Very practical. In a Fiat very, 500E. Very, very practical. <laughs> um, well, uh, I've, I've used the... the the run of their line from truck tires on up to different stuff fantastic i can't um be more happy to have uh toyo um helping me out with all this and keeping me on the road uh, just in regular life mm-hmm. you know all all the cars uh, i own run toyos yep and uh, i mean to the point that i will put i like i love old school 15 inch rims on muscle cars because mm-hmm. they look so good but unfortunately Toyo is not a 15 inch tire muscle car tire company so I'll run 17s in a different setup 17s or 18s and so that I can run Toyo tires and yeah. they're they're fantastic and like you said those are triple eights RA1s another fantastic uh, tire and I think I'm running uh, what do I have on my Firebird uh, uh, RSRs probably Kick ass. Yeah. So speaking of that, what the the fleet of cars that you have? What is it that you've currently got your sort of hands working on of sorts? I've got uh, a bit of a three way going on, mm-hmm. if you will, a bit of a menage yep. of vehicles, and and for sure they're they're definitely screwing me <laughs> the whole time. Uh, I am. I just got my Challenger back. I had to put uh, have a have a clutch put in it, and by the way. Uh, yes, I could put it in the clutch myself, but I don't have time, a yeah. bay, or space. Look, so we both live in Los Angeles. Yes. We both have homes in Los Angeles. We don't have the millions that we could throw down in a home that would necessitate having a large enough garage where we can work on cars on a regular Correct. basis and lift them up and things like that. So we don't, and you obviously don't want injuries or anything like that of the sort. So you kind of want to. Well, and also, it's it, uh, when you have and a it's proper hot. place to do stuff. Yeah, it's, it's very gonna hot. Be, it's going to be getting yes. hot now. So it's a, like, it's, no, I don't want to do that. There's a massive difference between putting a transmission in on uh, on a on a lift with a trans jack and all that kind of stuff, which I had to do for my 71 Cutlass SX. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to replace a flex plate on it. And it was easy peasy, man. It was just to take your time, go through it, clean stuff up as you go along torque things down get it back together no sweat mm-hmm. uh versus when i was a kid and you know you know my 78 ford courier clutch went kablooey and having to lay on my back yeah. in the winter uh in the washington winter and replace because it's always going to go at the worst possible time well, of course and then put uh put replace the clutch in that thing um uh, that's not fun or replacing the clutch in a um, 73 F250 with a four-speed with granny gear, which heavy as shit, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, having to have me and my, I think was it me and my brother-in-law under there? I don't think I did that one by myself. Uh, or I might have just used the jack and just stubbornness. Probably that. <laughs> you know, so doing jobs like this and, you know, but it, it reminds me of the, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't begrudge those times because, mm-hmm. You know, I did some shade tree mechanic stuff on this 75 Riviera that was uh, that I have up here. And because one of my students, their their car went went tits up. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, okay, um, I need to get, I need to replace the fuel filter or the trans filter uh, and then re reseal all the gaskets and, and surfaces on the trans and on the rear diff on this thing. 
to which I had to track down a 75, uh, a gasket for uh, a 75 Buick Riviera, which has a weird, funky rear end in it. It's like this strange nine and three eighths olds thing. Okay. And you have to figure out how to track down this stupid yeah, I was gonna Molly say, so gasket, have, yeah, which so. is, and when I took the old, uh, um, uh, differential cover off, they didn't find one, so it was just nothing but gasket seal. Okay. Which they probably, you know, smeared it on, put the cover on, and then filled it up and didn't let it cure, So, which is why it leaked. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I had to clean all that stuff up and, you know, just get it running right and gave it to them. And it's off on the road again, but here I was on jack stands, crawling on the ground, getting crud all over me. Look, it's, it's sometimes good to get back occasionally. <laughs> it's... Uh, it just rem- to remind you. It did remind me, things. though. Uh, and it was it was good times being able even to do that with my dad. And, um, you know, my student whose, whose car um, uh, went down, you know, he had this BMW that was like a daily driver thing that had mm-hmm. been through hell and back. Uh, but he also bought uh, a, 70, a 70 Cutlass S, uh, 350 Olds in it, uh, okay. that I had up in Washington. And we did a car trip. I, I helped. He came up with me. I had him help me freshen the thing up, put new shocks on it. We went to a a, a scrapyard and found four good tires to put on. I put some some twenty seven or twenty eight inch tall tires on the rear to help us with gas, and just showed him little little tricks, little things about how to, how you might take you know, one wrench. Oh, I don't have enough pull on it. Hook the other end of the wrench on. Just all this kind of stuff. And every time I work on cars, I, I, he'll come out and he'll help me and and. You know, it's passing this hobby down, and mm-hmm. and, and uh, he had to replace the tires on the Riviera. It sat so long. He goes, "Man, this is gonna cost me X amount of dollars. Get into cars." They said, "It'll be fun." They said, and "I go, yeah, yeah, that is kind of the way it goes." And and so, uh, you know, I just my I have this '71 SX Cutlass that I just had tuned uh, by these guys, uh, CNJ Engineering and Jet Performance made up badass 800 cfm holly for it so okay. it's got a 455 that stroked uh to 495 uh, which is obviously yes yeah. uh necessity it's an eagle kit so yeah. you know it wasn't a big deal and then it's got uh, aluminum heads 10 to 1 compression just just could, regular stuff yeah. you know just a good regular just a regular grocery getter it's still a 455 yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yet you know i had uh some trans problems and it looks like the you know the motor is great but it looks as if the the 400s like you know we weren't really built for this mm-hmm. uh like so maybe you might, a little bit maybe you might need some new clutches and yeah. steels okay so there you go yeah is but what it is i'm sure you could would do do center force can help you out with the clutch for that or <laughs> a turbo 400 no all, all center force can do is will Beatty can chide me for driving something okay. that's that's not a manual oh, as yeah, he yeah, always sorry. does yeah. yeah and uh the other project car i got going so i just got my i just put i did have a center force die i'd put in the the challenger and that thing's all freshened up and yep. uh hawk hawk has supplied me with new rotors and pads mm-hmm. so it, it's you know, stopping fantastically. It just because uh, I remember the last time we talked, you were thinking about maybe letting that one go. I think I am still, still. at some point, but I wanted to at least get it back up to snuff, nice and fresh. So I'm not handing off a car that's that's about ready to. Plus, I figure I get more money by having it, uh, yeah. you know, freshened up. Yeah, and everything's got the special, uh, the fancy pants on. But the idea is to eventually drive my 75 formula firebird every day that's okay. that's what i want my daily driver to be and you know i still need to uh magnaflow gave me a, a killer kit for it but mm-hmm. because i've got a nine inch uh rear end underneath there now and hotchkiss suspension the old the standard style tailpipes that go for the 70 or yeah 70 to 78 firebirds won't fit so at some uh, point i have to track down rich at Magnaflow. And Rich like, is a wonderful guy. He is amazing. He is so brilliant. I never knew that I would learn so much about mufflers and exhaust until the first day I met him and he started breaking down the construction of muffler designs. Yeah. Wow, okay. Nothing I ever thought would cross my purview. But um, If you want to get deep in the weeds with the exhaust, Rich is your man. 100%. And so I got to track him down so I can... Uh, head down to Magnaflow and have them build some some tailpipes for me. Have you been to the new, I mean, the, the new facility? No, I haven't I been to the, the one on Ocean side. Yeah. yeah. No, I've always wanted to go because I only went to the old one. Old one was, was cool for me, man. Look, 
very nice and I would happily I thought it was great yeah but when you're gonna be bigger you're making more things so why not go bigger than that but yeah so I got that those three things pretty much going on right now the 71 Cutlass SX um, my 75 Formula Firebird and my 2009 SRT8 Challenger although then, that's pretty much done I am gonna dyno it uh, a second time to see uh, if the the center force clutch with its lighter um you know, it, it, the whole unit itself is lighter than the mm -hmm. stock clutch. I wanted to see if I might pick up any horsepower or anything like that. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I figured it'd be kind of cool to give those numbers to Whoever. to Will at yeah. Center Force and see if that doesn't they're not useful for him in some way. I'm sure it would be. Yeah. But the, so, what was your idea behind getting the 71 and the 75? Why were those the ones that stuck out for you? Well, the 75 was because it was cheap. And okay. I like Firebirds, and the 71 because I love Cutlasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was also a killer deal. It was pretty much, it was a car that was, it was a friend of mine's brother's car. And he had, he already had it with an aluminum headed 455 and most everything had been done to the car. And the, it had a, through a rod or through a bearing. Okay. Bad, and he, the crank was toast. Um, the block was already bored as big as you could. It was already 60 over and, and that was, so it wasn't rebuildable. He had to get rid of it, so I bought it off of him because I had a 425 volts block sitting around. Because I think that was when we were talking originally at the museum. We did the tour. I think it was that time as well. That could be, yeah. yeah. And uh, I just had, I just decided to, instead of just finding a standard crank, I just bought the Eagle Stroker kit. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, why the hell not? And went from there, took all the goodies off of... Um, the old motor, like the aluminum heads and such, uh, put in just a uh, comp hydraulic flat tap cam in it, and whatever other little bits and bobs I may have needed, uh, Mylodon supplied them, mm -hmm. and off into the races. Yeah. Yeah. And the car, I, I did, it did have a 10 bolt in it, uh, and I scrounged out a 12 bolt, a 68 to 72 A body 12 bolt, and it's had that thing. Just painted, cleaned up, bought some new Molly axles for it, tracked down some 342 gears and an Auburn unit, and had uh, a shop down in Santa Fe Springs, put it all together, and then just swapped it right in. Perfect. Yeah. So that's not too bad then. No, I, I think that uh, I've done the right things with uh, the build on this car, but I'm not going to hold on to it forever either. So yeah. all this stuff, it, it's, it's fun to drive around, uh, but uh, yeah, it, so hopefully maybe not this year it'll get sold but i'll probably try to sell it uh next year so these things can roll into the other car projects as they need to get done yeah so then what will be the next other car projects on the horizon that you're looking for have you got any thoughts in mind of what you want to do well i need to not buy anything i know okay that. <laughs> I mean, all right but uh that's probably not going to happen though i mean i think we can both say that oh i don't know man it's it's always a struggle i do uh, i have a a, a 60 69 cutlass uh holiday coupe mm -hmm. and that needs to get up and running again and and you know get cleaned up some get the paint done body work maybe some interior work on it uh it was a decent runner for for a while but it had a, a leaky trans and then i had to, to to put it to rest for a bit at a friend's uh house and now it's getting to the point like okay maybe i should get this thing up and going and I have a small block olds that was I was putting together for a, a project car like that might do SEMA and different, but then everything kind of fell apart, and then I was left with a halfway built motor. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it's got like Dick Miller killer uh, uh, main caps and uh, you know main girdle, and it's built for a supercharged application. So I had the crank ground down for small block Chevy rods it's got small block Chevy pistons in it it's 375 cubes it's under 8 to 1 compression still running iron heads that have been gone through and ported a bit and polished mm -hmm. and it's going to run a Hampton 671 so I'm going to have this blown small block olds and I just think it's going to be kind of badass and I need to throw it in a car yeah yeah, yeah. so I mean that's your next project yeah that, that and my student uh, Victor's Cutlass. Uh, I have a, another 455 block sitting around at LNR, and uh, I have plenty of, uh, of pieces from Mylodon sitting around, new new water pumps, all this kind of stuff. And I have a tunnel ram that I, I picked up at some point, and I thought oh, I'll build him. A, let's build him a killer like 
maybe just a 30 over standard bore basically 455 tunnel ram put some aluminum heads on it and then forge pistons forge rods so that once he gets a well here's the thing this is called building for the future because <laughs> you know as just a street motor with a with a tunnel ram on it'll be badass and he will cut a hole in his hood and he can he can roll around with his arm hanging out the window mm -hmm. you know yeah and he wants it uh he wants it with a big old jacked up back end on it okay we can do that we can get you some like some tall Bucks. drag slicks yeah. and stuff yeah. but uh i said you know after you you'll enjoy this for a bit but you're going to want to have you're going to want to be able to do more and what i really think would be the best thing to do the best thing would be to let's put a nitrous kit on this thing after <laughs> maybe a year and a half or two just a 100 150 shot that's all i like the i like you thinking Oh man, the kid's gonna lose his shit when he, when yeah. he finally gets to hit the button, man. Yeah, when he presses nuts. it. Yeah, I know that. Uh, not from my experience, but I've heard very much stories of uh, well, the use of nitrous. This is my the, my dad's fault. So he put nitrous on that '66 GT fastback, mm -hmm. and he would take people around the block for fun runs and scare the shit out of them. And it was just so much fun yeah. to feel that bottle just open up. Uh, so. And it's also just real cool. I mean, the nitrous. I mean, I even think when they vent the nitrous and see it blow out, I think that's yes, fun too. Yes, yes, that is super awesome. To, yeah. And I, you know, to have the uh, uh, what are that little purge kit mm -hmm. to go with it. Psh, psh, psh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's obviously it's a waste of sorts, but it's still it's really cool. <laughs> it is a waste of sorts. Oh, I guess the idea, the, the the concept is to make sure that you get the full that, that yeah. nitrous right there. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it's the, the prime it with mm -hmm. the purging and everything else. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's badass. When you roll up to the line, you yeah. squeeze off a little. It's like, just, oh, this guy's not kidding. Yeah, you just get up to the, before you go to the shops, you see yeah. the traffic lights, and you're like, yep, let's, let's get ready. You know? Yeah, but you know, in the, at the end of the day, man, hot rod and doing cool stuff. And, and as much as, you know, we were talking about you know custom builds and the stuff you see at SEMA, and I have the utmost respect for all this stuff it's so incredible to see how talented some of these people are oh incredible and uh you know i, I got to work on a season of uh, on a show uh, an episode of Ro overhauling uh before and to see those guys did things that they can do and so easily mm -hmm. uh and to watch you know chip paint and 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 just create craft and create it's it's incredible to think that people are this skilled um but for me i feel like when I go to SEMA, things have gotten out of hand. Like they're so far away from what I remember hot rodding. It's still hot rodding, but it's just, it's, it's like, it's too high end, too custom to out of your price range and out of your skill level. And I kind of, it's like when I built that, started putting together that 75 Firebird, it's got a, it had a 400 that was of course anemic because mm -hmm. it was a 75, it's like seven, six to one compression. Blech. But uh, I pulled that 400. I had a, I found a 455 donor motor, had that stripped all apart, and it's in there with just a uh, hydraulic flat tappet cam, dual quads, uh, big exhaust, iron heads. It's awesome, and people love it. You know, it, it, it's, I like driving it. It's a, it's a blast. It's got a 204R in it, not a fancy computer control electronic trans, although that would be a lot nicer, but... <laughs> Uh, I like building stuff old school. And yeah. when it came to even my, my students project, it's like, no, nah, let's, let's keep 15 inch rims on it. Let's put like some, uh, I don't know, like slotted mags of some sort tunnel ram. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's put some spacers under your, uh, coil springs that get your ass up in the air a little bit more. Let's put some 28 inch, 30 inch tall tires on the back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. That's what I mean. Old school style. Yeah. And, and lower lower buck, lower and, and with stuff that's not all custom one-off. Yeah. Because when it gets custom one-off, <clears throat> it gets kind of pricey. Yeah, it gets real pricey. And and for right reasons, I mean, you know, what what is the, how do you define the cost of one of the Ring Brothers' talents, let alone the, the, the materials? Like, the ability for, for one of them to make that piece like only they can make that piece or it's Chipfus or whoever else yeah made, a master builder or master craftsman right i mean yeah but then again you've got to think as long as they build it once and then you can always get the cnc to make the copy of it and then do it again and it's like <laughs> done look, look magic right maybe maybe and it's just maybe. the cost of the metal right at that point so you're really like just averaging it out at that point yeah uh 
it's 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 something to to behold that these classic cars are still being not only are they being refurbished and kept on the road uh but you know using new material and mm -hmm. new new processes so you have dinocorn making bodies um there's a group in oklahoma classic uh recreations yeah. that build they'll build you a camaro they'll build you a jason Mustang. is a wonderful man yeah they will build you these incredible vehicles that are hand fitted perfectly mm -hmm. with to what level of motor do you want it? How how fast do you want it to stop? And Jason will do anything you ask when he didn't want to do it. Yes. He's like, yep, we can do it. And he can take you out for driving. He'll scare you in the car as well. Yep. And he's happy to do that. Yeah, Jason is incredible. And he's he's actually working on a car project that me and Will Beatty of Center Force have. It's a 68 GT500 KR. Uh, and we're putting, well, Jason's putting uh, Detroit Speed uh, Luma frame underneath it. Uh, their Quadrilink. Uh, we've got... Uh, Willwood brakes and uh, KW shocks all around on it. It's it's going to be a killer piece, um, but it takes someone of the skills of Jason to make something like that happen. And you know, those those Detroit Speed pieces are. And you look at the welds on them, you go, man, this just looks like something that you might have seen in the Vatican. But yeah. uh, the ability to to put that in that to cut that frame and put it in there exactly where it needs to be takes a master craftsman yeah, like it's Jason. incredible yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the magic that's come together because jason obviously they've got the the ones the recreation that they do with the cars and mm -hmm. they've got their restoration shop there now as well they've got everything working on and i love the fact that these companies exist out here because i really love keeping these old cars on the road i think there's something about these classic cars that isn't necessarily recreatable with these with some of the modern cars yeah. and you know, maybe you wouldn't want to recreate it with some of these modern cars, but uh, I like driving old stuff. I, I love the feel of it. I love the the attention to detail that you, that you see and the way that they would build these old uh, trim, the way the trim is and the way the, the interior is put together. Little things that make a big difference. I remember I was test driving this 71 Thunderbird and it had, it was an AM FM radio. But if you push this button, it would flip the whole face to AM, or you push it back and it, push another one, it flips it back up to FM. So literally flipping the whole face of the radio itself. Yeah. And yeah, what does that really mean at the end of the day? Probably something more to go wrong. But yeah. but it's so damn cool. It's so cool. Yeah. And the style of it is like, yeah, it's seen some point. Yeah, it's so so rad. So anything I can do to keep these cars out and running and on the streets and you know driving them i love driving these cars they have uh personalities to them and um i like the you know whenever whenever i drive my my firebird i like the fact that i can i, I can feel everything in the road with this thing and that it's it, you can hear bumps and bangs and, and rattles and all kinds of stuff but and, it, it and just then you don't want to hear those unusual bumps and bangs <laughs> to get all the regular ones you don't want to hear those unusual ones and you're like yeah well yeah you always, every now and again you have to tilt you go uh well, is that normal or is that something to be concerned about? Let's keep them to the 10 minutes, see how it goes, if it happens yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically. And I, and sometimes it's, it's, it's funny. You just have to describe to someone like, like me helping my student Victor out and going, well, he's, he'll, he'll ask me a question. And I just go, I just throw my hands at me. I, well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. And he's just thinking, well, uh, I go, well, you just, I mean, yeah, this should, this should be fine, but, but we never know. Yeah. There's always a chance. Yeah. We, we put Loctite on, we put blue on these transmission bolts why do i do it because you go ahead and you put all these things in you're driving down the street 30 minutes here you hear pink clunk 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 you go oh, okay hopefully that's not a real key one yeah <laughs> but uh i mean with that being said josh it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show uh, it's been a blast uh it's been a long time coming uh and uh talking cars is something i can do for for hours on end look so, i mean instead I, of fighting and wrestling and yeah I mean, I'm sure you talk lots of that and everything else, right? Uh, for the most part, if I'm promoting, I'm promoting fighting. Uh, uh, but uh, and I've got, uh, I'm waiting to hear what what's going to be on deck for me with Bellator towards mm -hmm. the, and I'm expecting towards the end of the year here. Um, and in, before that, I have the Contenders Muay Thai that we're going to film in Malaysia. Uh, this will be their second season. Their first season was nominated for an international Emmy, and produced some of the the top ranking. Uh, stars of, of, of Muay Thai right now 
so this season is going to be a combination women and men, which will be very interesting. Yes, and uh, you know I don't know exactly what is all in store for them, but I know that they're going to have to fight their way through uh, the gauntlet of whatever it is to to be that that lone survivor at the top of the heap. Um, and I look forward to being a part of it down there in Malaysia. Uh, that should be filming this summer. Uh, and what about I, your school as well? Yeah, my well, the UWF USA group is kicking butt, and and us and and California Mixed Martial Arts and Gardena are really, um, you know, we're we're paired up really, and we both help each other out. Um, both teams have been doing very well on the local circuit around here and internationally. Uh, you know, Victor Henry is ranked uh, number twenty one in the world out of all bantamweights. That, that are fighting actively. Mm -hmm. uh, he's on like a seven-fight win streak. He's been kicking butt in Russia and in Japan, won a title for a group called uh, uh, Deep over in Tokyo. He's doing fantastic. Everybody is, is on the up. I've got fighters competing locally here in uh, Burbank for LXF, which is a, a great local promotion that's been there to showcase a lot of the talent that exists here in the Southern California area uh, with my fighter AJ Bryant fighting for the featherweight title okay uh, so things are going well with my students uh i have my pro wrestling show blood sport that i do with game changer wrestling and come september 14th well we're going to run our second version of it at the showboat casino in atlantic city see it's like you've got nothing on at all yeah it's got, well, got you spend all the time uh, with cars now because you've got yeah. nothing on at all well, whatsoever and this is the the reason why it's so imperative that i get some of these things done with cars when I got to. So I'll have this cars doing out here and this one's, I mean, there was uh, yesterday I had zero cars. Oh, I could, I could have drove my firebird, but I needed to pick a car up. Okay. So you start ending up Ubering here or there, or depending on rides to try and put all the, the logistics together to, to, to get these things where they need to go. But Either they get done now or they don't get done at all. Yeah, well, they'll get done eventually at some point, right? Yeah, that's what you say, but I, all I do is I just have nightmares of cars sitting around in lots and just being like, oh, I've betrayed you. <laughs> no, no, they always forgive. They always forgive when you give them some love. So then, lastly then, if anyone's wanting to try and find out more on you on the social media side or on the internet, where can they track you down? Uh, you can easily find me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at, at Josh L. Barnett. Okay. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at, uh, I think, Josh Barnett Official. I have a fan page on there, although I don't even know how many people actually use Facebook anymore. But, uh, yeah, I'm out there uh, doing the social media thing like everybody else. Of course. It's right and left. And that's, as for me, obviously, you can find me at No Breaking on Instagram and Facebook, N-O-B-R-A-K-I-N-G. And Josh... Thanks you again so much for your time. And uh, all the listeners out there, as always, leave us a very positive review, at least five stars. Say some nice words about us and uh, just check us out next time. We'll see you then. All right, guys. Bye-bye.